Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, and here with me to uh, discuss the uh, the ins and outs and merits of Madden 24 ratings is my fellow uh, Niner Noise contributor, Akshaz Dovadula. Akshaz, I, I won't ask you about Madden ratings if you don't care, but uh, how, how are things, man? I, You know what? Life is good. Excited for some more football. I've realized with basketball season over, and I'm not a huge baseball guy personally. Like, I don't know. I've never been able to get super into it. So around now is when I'm like, okay, I'm ready for some football news. I'm ready for something to happen. I think that's what, man, has got a pretty good gig going, right? When people feel like, you know, I could really get back into football. Boom. There you go. <laughs> it's yeah. just right there. Yep, that's true. Um, yeah, unless you're uh, unless you're a, a, a baseball person, which um, I don't know how you what your feelings are on that. Um, it's not there's not really a whole lot going on right now, uh, sports wise. I mean, you know, soccer too. I suppose in the United States we have our soccer season because we like to play our soccer in the summertime for some reason that I don't understand. Um, but uh, yeah, as you say, this is uh, and we talked about this last time that this is sort of the, the the big lull in the NFL season. If there is one, it's really the only time when nothing is happening. We're just kind of waiting for things to, for to happen. And um, as we sit here uh, recording on the evening of July the 18th, this is really the end of of the lull. Right. Um, rookies, at least for the 49ers, reported today, I believe, um, for training camp. Which means, I think for the first day, it's mostly like you know physicals and making sure everybody's good to go, um, you know, getting everybody out there. They'll probably start with 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 you know weight training and stuff like that to to get them started, uh, because the veterans do not report until July the 25th, which I believe is over. That's what over a week away, I think, um, something like that. I think that's middle and middle of next week. Um, so. Lots of time to get the rookies prepared. They also had an extended rookie mini camp after after the draft, so that's that's really cool. Um, but yeah, that means we're we're ready to get started, right? That means the season is, I think, less than two months away, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, actually, I, th- I think I saw that the season was like Dre Greenlaw days away, like yesterday or something like that. So that means we're in like 57, 56 days until the season opener, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's wild for for a sport that only takes up 16 games uh, plus playoffs. This this thing just really they found a way to take over the entire year. And it's just unfathomable to me. Yeah, I mean. It's it's a monster of a thing, basically, especially because, you know, there's so little like everyone talks about these like. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't read all our incredible analysis on training camp and everything, because it's very important and training camp is very important. But, you know, there's a whole lot of talk when very little kind of happens. And it's, <laughs> to me, it's, it's kind of the funniest things, especially because you get the one low and then there's always usually some news because what, a couple of days ago was the franchise tag deadline. So mm-hmm. even before training camp starts, we get get a lot of action. The NFL, it owns, like, the calendar. The world gets July. Otherwise, it's just football all the time. That's true. Um, yeah, we could uh, we could have a lengthy, lengthy conversation about the, the – uh, 
the this what the franchise tag deadline and and what happened there apparently it uh it called to question uh it, once again uh running back value so but, but that's neither here nor there we don't have to get into that um the the team the 49ers did announce um speaking of training camp uh they announced a couple days ago about five days ago now um they're opening up a practice schedule for um people to come and watch them practice during training camp you know because you gotta you gotta give the people something uh so there's there's a more than a handful of dates uh throughout the uh, training camp session including july 26th which is i believe probably the first full day of practices because they'll, again they'll take and do a day to do intake stuff for the veterans on the 25th uh, August 3rd, July 27th. I'm not sure why those are in that order. Um, <laughs> August 4th, July 30th, August 5th, July 31st. I'm, I'm reading this off of the 49ers website. This is literally the order that they're in. I don't understand. Um, August 7th and August 1st. It's not hard to put things in, <laughs> in order in which they appear. That's very confusing. Anyway, so for those keeping track at home, that's the July 26th, 27th, 30th, and 31st. And then August 1st, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and 7th. There are the, There we go. And that that's, that's that was much easier. I don't know why they did that in those days. But anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Um, Akshos, have you ever had the good pleasure of, a, of attending a training camp event? I have. I was lucky enough to attend one, I want to say, last year. Yeah, it was last year because I was fortunate enough to see Trey Lance kind of get run with the starters, and then more importantly, see Jimmy Garoppolo make a surprise appearance on the side field, and everyone went crazy. So this was back when <laughs> he was still exiled from the team. What a time. And what a time indeed. <laughs> uh, it's it's a good experience. I think the thing is, you don't really know what's important and what's not. And most of the time, like when I went, there's a lot of like, position work and then you get like a little bit of seven on seven five on five eleven on eleven like very little though not really super engaged and it's so easy as a fan to kind of just make huge assumptions about everything but it's fun you see football at the end people sign things i have somewhere in my home a signed library card from mooney ward because i forgot to bring anything (laughs) And I didn't want, like, I thought it was weird if I asked Mooney Ward to sign my Kittle jersey. I was like, that doesn't seem right. That seems like kind of bad to ask someone to sign someone else's jersey. So I have a San Francisco 49ers library card, and I asked Mooney Ward to sign it, and he did. Great guy. All of them are super nice to all the fans. And then I immediately went to the library and said, I want to change my library card number. And give me a new card. And That's amazing. I took the signed one and threw it somewhere to make sure it would never be touched. Amazing. That's my one signed memento. That's awesome. Um, well, cool. Uh, for those of you who are out in the Bay Area and get it, get an opportunity, uh, definitely go out and do that. Um, I'm according to the 49ers website, uh, ten dollars to get in. I, I imagine season ticket holders can get in. Um, Without that, um, or I'm sure there's an exclusive ticket pre-sale. It says ten dollars. All proceeds benefit the 49ers Foundation, so that's that's good. We like we like good benefits and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so we're gonna do kind of a preview of 
of what we kind of expect to come from training camp, but a couple of pieces of information um, to get us started. As I noted, the rookies reported today, um, and it was announced by uh, through the NFL transaction wire that uh, rookie fifth round cornerback Darrell Luter Jr. was added to the uh, pup list, the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list, which um, I believe only can be used if you uh, suffered an injury, uh, a f- football related injury that didn't happen while you were in the building, I guess. Um, so something going on there. They didn't announce what it was that's that's happening. I imagine once once Kyle Shanahan speaks to the media, which probably won't come uh, till closer to when the veterans appear, that uh, that we'll hear a little bit more of that. It could be a small thing. It could be just they're you know they just don't want to put a lot of pressure on him, give him some time to kind of heal up. Um, but it certainly is something to watch because I think Luter as you know, obviously the 49ers didn't have a pick till the third round in this most recent draft, but Luter, I think well, he's got an opportunity to make this team, I think, but you know, it, this could be a situation where if he's on that pup list for any extended period of time, it could put him behind the eight ball. And as a guy who has that opportunity to kind of step behind Isaiah Oliver in that nickelback position, it could be interesting to see if that impacts his ability to make this team in the long run. I agree. I think if I remember correctly, Juwan Jennings, his rookie year, seventh round pick, people were like bullish on his chances, but he had an injury and they basically stashed him. What they did is mm-hmm. they basically, you put him on like season ending, you put him on IR before training camp breaks and you cut down the roster and that's it. You're done for the year. And I'm wondering if, if Luther's injury doesn't progress at the speed they wanted to, if they try to do that with him, just to like keep him in the building, because I agree, he's like terrific raw tools when it comes to being cornerback, just needs to get reps. And it's a tough injury. And, you know, there's so much competition basically to back up Mooney Ward, Diamondo Lanier, and Isaiah Oliver, and you can pencil in Sam Womack for one of those spots, I think, pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That kind of puts carry five corners. Luther was right there with Ambry Thomas and all the undrafted free agents and previous signings to kind of like fight out for that final spot. So behind the eight ball for sure, but I almost wonder if this kind of helps him out. If he wasn't going to make the roster anyway, he gets a chance to kind of stick around. Yeah, I, I wondered that myself when I saw that come through, uh, mostly because it, it happened so soon. Like, like it was immediate. Like, here they are. Okay, now he's on the pup list. Like, you kind of wonder, is there something going on there? Now, I, obviously, there could be problems if they were, you know, like faking an injury or something like that. But I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's what's happening here. But I think there's certainly an opportunity that they they like him enough but know that if he but know he might be on the fringes of making the the roster even at this point and so you say okay well we're going to try to keep you on the team um and we know that if we put you out on waivers if we cut you at some point and put you out on waivers you're going to get picked up by somebody else so we want to keep you around and and that may be their way of doing it so that will be interesting to note as well um so the other sort of thing that's not really related to training camp, but is related to training camp, because um, as uh, uh, as people often say, 
uh, deadline spur action. I think uh, Matt Mayoka says that on the 49ers stock contract or uh, podcast all the time about these kinds of things. And that, of course, is the contract uh, negotiations that are happening between the 49ers and Nick Bosa's uh, representation. Um, they've, they've there's been you know conversation about it during mini camps and all that kind of stuff. You know what what's going to happen? You know how's that? Go- how are those talks going? They've asked both Shanahan and Lynch. They've asked Bosa himself, and everybody seems to be like, oh yeah, everything's fine. It will it get worked out. Um, you know, obviously there are there's much panic. I, th- I think actually this is probably the least amount of panic that I've seen about a contract uh, situation that we've seen in a while. Because we, you know, we can go all the way back to, to the George Kittle situation and then the Fred Warner situation and then Debo Samuel last year. Uh, does it seem to you, Akshay, like this is the least like panicked that 49ers sort of social media has been about um, an un- an upcoming contract situation? Like, because it does to me. I so I'll preface this by saying I haven't been active on Twitter <laughs> since like probably the nfc championship game and i just that's, never that's got probably around the best. to it <laughs> that's that's my that's my almost immediate i'll get back there eventually I yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you but, were busy you were doing other things that's fine <laughs> um i think generally i agree though because there's not a lot like with kittle and warner there and samuel these are all like supremely talented players who are also like Either in Samuel's case, kind of an enigma at their position. In Warner and Kittle's case, just play like devalued positions, right? So it's hard right. to say because, you know, George Kittle, I had an article about this when he signed his extension. His contract was pretty like hefty for tight end standards. But if you compare it to a wide receiver or an offensive tackle, it's not really that bad. And Kittle does both for the Niners. So it's really just a question of how do you allocate your money? But with Nick Bosa, it's really just the language and the do we pay you more than Aaron Donald or slightly <laughs> less than Aaron Donald? Because right. like that's about it. He's going to reset the market for edge rushes, obviously. And it's just a question of is he the highest played defensive player in the NFL or is he like second just behind Donald? So I just don't think there's enough to be concerned about because – there's no like way to really quibble about his value. Like he came off such a dominant year. Like, what can you do? There's no like, yeah, but we don't really need an edge rusher. That's like the (laughs) second most important player on your team. Yeah. Right. And, and the guaranteed money of course will come into play there too. And, and really while there was the threat with, with Kittle and with, with, maybe not Warner so much, but with Debo as well of the, of the, the franchise tag too. There's like, you hundred percent know that if they didn't work out, a, if they couldn't work out something with, with Bosa, that they would hit him with that thing next year. Um, and they would do it until they couldn't anymore. And it doesn't really benefit Bosa, especially somebody who has, who's got a little bit of a, an injury history, right? Um, he had some, some, some injury struggles while he was at Ohio state. And obviously he tore his ACL, uh, at the beginning of his second season in San Francisco. Um, so there is, so that long term, like getting that locked in is to Bosa's benefit. And as you said, I think it's mostly going to come down to, um, to you know, how much money are they going to guarantee him? 
what is what are the what's the average annual value look like what what are the i'm sure there will be some a massive amount of escalators in there related to how many sacks he gets and how much how many snaps he plays and and that sort of thing um so i'm i'm not concerned and you know this has been par for the course pretty much every time that the that one of these <clears throat> excuse me that one of these things has has been happening that that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have never seemed that concerned about any of them getting done. And they seem even less concerned about this one getting done. Um, it's it, like you said, I think it's just a matter of time. And frankly, that sort of late July, right around the time when training cap happens tends to be the, the like, okay, well, here we go. We got to get everybody on the field. Let's, let's get moving. All right. Well, now we're going to sign the, the contract. So I would imagine in the next what week to 10 days, we'll see that contract come through and, and we'll all be talking about how much money they just paid Nick Bosa. I totally agree. I think the other reason there might be less urgency is one, Nick Bosa takes like such good care of himself. <laughs> this like, <is> true. <laughs> he might, for all, you know, training camp is like a slowdown from his own regiment. Like he's best shape of your life is like always true for Nick Bosa entering training camp. It's absurd. And The second thing is, you mentioned how the Niners would just tag him three times and call it a day. Nick Bosa is at the level of player that the franchise tag is a discount for him. (laughs) Just because it's like an aggregate of the top salaries, but he should be making the most. So you're getting like... The only reason the Niners don't franchise tag Bosa is because obviously you want to lock him up long term. Don't even think about it anymore. And secondly, it lets you move money around and there are a lot Mm -hmm. of expensive players on the team. But like there's no way this doesn't end with Nick Bosa being a 49er unless like a team offers their entire draft, their top (laughs) three edge rushers and like 50 million dollars. Like he's and, there, not, and there better be a quarterback in there. Exactly. <laughs> it's just not happening. Like he is from day one, he like changed the kind of mindset and the caliber of this team. Like yeah. there's a very obvious parallel. We mentioned this actually when Jimmy Garoppolo was like moving in and out and we were talking about his legacy. You know, there's a better case that like the most obvious parallel to the 49ers winning or losing is if Nick Bosa plays or not. The one year he doesn't play, they don't win. And, you know, he's the type of guy you pay him, and then, like, 25 years from now or whatever, he retires. You wait five years, you see him in Canton, and you say, I'm glad he was a a forever 49er. Good good decision. And once again, thank you to the Arizona Cardinals for just making a terrible decision. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> remember how how mad we were when they won that that last game of the season and got the number two pick and the number one because we were sure no way in the world anybody would pass up on Bosa to draft anybody else. I mean, you Good see, <laughs> we had the same thing happen with Chip Kelly. Niners win number two pick instead of number one. And mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns of all teams didn't like take a quarterback they're like you know what no we'll principally take miles garrett yeah. the niners end up getting solomon thomas and that the whole like 2017 draft but like they could have had obviously that's not the way like anything works but 
two times the Niners have been in this situation. And one time they got really burned. One time they got really lucky. And these two edge rushers are probably one and two, whatever order you want to put them in the NFL yeah. right now. Well, at least according to the Madden 24 ratings. And that's twice that I've read it up now, and we'll see how it goes from there. Um, Bosa not in the 99 club, by the way, everybody. He and Garrett tied at 98. What do you want? What do you want? Anyway, um, so yeah, look for that um, that Bosa contract to come through. I would imagine again, like in the in the next before the end of July, I would imagine that it will be done, um, and then we'll get to do this all over again next year when Brandon I comes up for a contract, and we'll see how that goes. Um, and that's another one of those contracts you got to be thinking about with with the Bosa numbers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure we'll start to see guys who got extended several years ago like we'll have the conversation next summer about how in order to free up money for for Ayuk, we gotta we gotta do something with kittle's contract or with christian mccaffrey's contract and just keep pushing that money on down the line we'll see how that goes anywho um so again training camp getting started here pretty soon um rookies already ready to go or getting set in and ready to go i guess imagine tomorrow they'll really get started with them um, get them a little leg up on the veterans coming in. Um, so let's let's just do a little kind of preview of of what we expect to see. Um, just kind of thinking about camp battles and all that kind of stuff um, that we're excited to pay attention to. Um, obviously, once vet- what's the veterans uh, report? Um, we expect, speaking of the uh, the pup list, uh, Brock Purdy to go on that pup list as well, simply because he will still be rehabbing from that. Um, from that uh, elbow injury, the elbow surgery. Um, and then we'll see where he is um, and see what's going on. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's where we are. So Akshay, uh, what is one storyline, one camp battle, one something that you are lo- going to be locked in on during training camp as we get started in the next couple of days? So I think there's so many like interesting ways training camp's going to play out. And obviously quarterback is a huge part of it, but I'm most interested, I think, in seeing the wide receiver room shake out behind Debo and Brandon Ayuk, because I think there's a lot of kind of locks, but who knows if you push them hard enough, maybe something happens in that room beyond your top two. And I think the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan like cycling receivers a lot. So it actually doesn't matter who your fourth receiver, fifth receiver are, because everyone gets a turn on it. So I'm interested because I think Juwan Jennings is, you know, he's like, he is who he is at this point, and I don't think there's a lot of progression. Maybe I'm wrong, and that would be a great thing to see, but mm-hmm. he's, I think he's a guy who you can definitely push at wide receiver three. You have Ray Ray McLeod, who is a revelation, I think, at punt returner and kick returner for the 49ers. Just exactly what they needed to get a little more explosive there. But then you got Danny Gray, who, like, maybe the worst rookie year <laughs> a rookie oh, could have. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me, let me, I'll, AJ Jenkins, <laughs> that's all I got to say. And One of the worst. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it so okay. Yeah, okay, yes. kinda. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, AJ Jenkins aside, one of the worst rookie years a receiver can have. And 
I mean, the 49ers have shown that if you get a player who's on this roster, it doesn't matter when they're drafted. If they're not giving you enough and someone else is, they'll cut you. And I don't mm-hmm. know how or where Danny Gray is going to be able to get that second win. Maybe it's going to be just because he's the fastest receiver the Niners have. But I don't know if that would matter. But he's going to be fighting off a lot of players. I'm interested in seeing how Ronnie Bell plays. People have really taken to him in the rookie mini camps. But I think Ronnie Bell is a much more natural Ray Ray McLeod replacement. So now it's uh, it gets interesting, you see, because you have all these young players who are really biting at the heels of these veterans. But I don't know if you can really say anyone other than your top two will have like a safe spot. And right. you never know. Someone gets surprise release. Someone gets available on the market. There's an interesting player to be had. It's a, it's an area where I think a lot can change. And I wouldn't be surprised if a big name, quote unquote, was released from the wide receiver group. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I think McLeod is pretty well locked in, mostly because of the um, uh, the thing you were talking about with the, the the return game. I think that his value is more in that particular area than it is in the receiving game. Um, I think there was some conversation about making him more of a gadget player, but I think you, you already have a, a gadget guy who would do it better than McLeod would, and in Devo Samuel and even Iok is more is capable of doing that and if called upon. So I don't know, like you said, if, if Ronnie Bell really shows out, um, I could see McLeod getting kind of the, the, the veteran cut on that. I'm not really sure what his, what his contract number is and whether or not it would be, uh, behoove the Niners to let him go, um, from that point of view. And then, and then you got like, a, a, like a Chris Conley guy, they have like this random, older veteran who kind of sneaks into the team somehow it's not always a wide receiver sometimes it's like the random like uh well what's the tight end who was on the team last week last year who who was blocking who was trying to block <laughs> um whose name is escaping me completely um you know what I, you know who i'm talking about it's just an older guy who's just like okay well here he is he's on the team um that tends to happen so you could always you could certainly see a situation where a guy like that shows his value um i don't think Jawan jennings is a lock by any stretch of the imagination he's going to need to show a little bit more consistency um but it is a certainly an interesting position and then of course with the danny gray thing the conversation tends to circle around is this a guy that they drafted because they thought Trey Lance is going to be their quarterback for the next decade and he's the guy who could take the top off the defense and now that it looks like it's going to be Brock Purdy do you need that guy um is that a guy that Brock Purdy's going to get a lot of use out of other than just like sending Danny Gray to run very very long and so it will behoove Danny Gray to figure out a way to to expand his skill set beyond just like being the fastest guy on the team and if he doesn't improve as like a, a shorter and intermediate route runner, I don't know that he has a lot of value to this team. 
Um, and it's really not going to hurt a whole lot to let him to let him go if he's not valuable to the team. So that is certainly interesting to me as well. Yeah, I agree. I think I mean, I think for sure he was drafted because they thought three years from now, Trey Lance is throwing deep passes to Danny Gray for touchdowns like that was, I think, the most obvious vision they had. I think that's the reason they drafted Trey Sermon, too, was to fit a kind of running scheme that would kind of work around Trey Lance. But, you know, Sermon obviously didn't work out and he was displaced by an undrafted rookie free agent running back in Jordan Mason because they'd obviously planned for Ty Davis Price and Sermon to be on the roster together, but Mason just beat them both to the punch. So I think it's just like, it's a position where all of the players are going to be like involved as opposed to like left tackle where unless (laughs) the, the world falls apart with Trent Williams and the unthinkable happens and he gets hurt, which I don't even know how possible that is. That man is a tank, but, and can play through anything. Like you're not really thinking about, is my left tackle the most like talented as much as, is he like someone who can grow and like in a pinch, maybe he has to play, but with wide receiver, you got to be able to play. Otherwise you like, you're just going to be inactive. Yeah. Especially on a team like this, where they might only have, five or six on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just, it, it's going to be a situation where, especially if they, if they go with just five of them and it's like Debo, Ayuk, Ray Ray McLeod, and I don't know, two others, those two others, if they're on the field, are going to have to find some use. Cause if they want to Juwan Jennings, if there's your fourth and now we need just one other, and it's just one other spot for all those other guys, which is in play. Um, you know, five or six tends to be the number that Shanahan likes to keep, and he will use those those roster slots somewhere else, be it a fourth tight end or a fifth running back or something like that. It certainly would would not uh, surprise me at all. So, um, cool. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, one that I'm watching, and we've talked about this a lot, is the the safety position just in general, but really thinking about it outside of Talano Hufanga. Um, who is was an all pro last year and will look to continue to improve because it's weird to think about this, but he had a really great start to his year and he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. And I think there are, there are certainly areas that he can improve upon. And the fact that his first half was so good that he was able to maintain as the all pro uh, first team, all pro safety in the NFL is pretty impressive um, and gives you a lot of hope for what he can continue to be as he continues to grow. The question is, of course, what do they do beside him? Um, Sean Gibson is back, but it's a one-year deal, and he's uh, 32 years old um, and was a little, I think, uh, uncertain about his future uh, through, uh, leading up to the re-signing. And there is certainly a question you know, about whether or not he could be supplanted, be it by Jair Brown or somebody else. Um, and then you got to couple of other interesting guys. George Odom is mostly a special teams uh, ace, was actually an all-pro as a special teams player uh, a couple of years ago. Um, Taylor Hawkins is a, a young guy that they have back there out of San Diego State coming into his uh, second season. And then Miles Hartsfield is an interesting kind of versatile piece that may stand to be not only in the safety kind of position, but as a guy that they've – that, that uh, 
uh, Steve Wilkes had in Carolina last year. And so he knows a lot about him and also knows that he might also fit in as a potential nickel option if they decide that, uh, you know, Sam Womack isn't going to get done or whatever. So there are some interesting names there. And so that jumps out to me as, as, a, as a position to watch. Obviously, Hufanga seems pretty well in place. But what do you do next to him and what do you do behind those starters is really interesting to me. I agree. I think the safety position, I think so. I think the 49ers have generally devalued safeties. That's like they devalue the back end, but I think safety is the one position where they're like, we can get by with serviceable because you're just not going to be able to, if our pass rush is working well enough, you're not going to be able to throw the ball far enough for our safeties to matter. And I think Ufanga being as good as he is, because no matter how you slice it, a quality starter at a fifth round draft pick is an unquestioned success, but I don't think the 49ers drafted him to be that. And I think that's not what, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's an interesting position because I don't know how good Gibson's going to be his second year. Mm-hmm. He's a year older, you know, Maybe the pass rush isn't working as well. Maybe coverage isn't as tight and guys are running loose. Maybe Steve Wilkes has like a different way of running defense that just doesn't work with Gibson. But I don't know how much you can trust him at his age to be this like deep roaming safety because Hufanga is going to play in the box most of the time. That's really what he does. That's what he's best at. And I think what we saw last year was when he wasn't being able, he wasn't able to get into positions where he succeeds the most. He was kind of like struggling a little bit, relatively so, but right. to impact the game in the same way he was before, because he's just not in his exact moments. He's playing out more in coverage. It's just not enough opportunities to really attack the football as he was doing so well in the beginning of the year. I, I think my best case for the safety position is that Jair Brown just wins the starting spot. I think the 49ers will be incredibly happy with that. And I think that would be best for them long-term. I'm interested in what George Odom does this camp. I think he and Oren Burks are two really interesting players who mm-hmm. were signed for special teams, did their jobs on special teams, but now have an opportunity to maybe become more than special teams players. Right. Burks being weak side linebacker and Odom, as you mentioned. And I don't know. I just think it's, I feel, I have the feeling it's one of those positions where we like, we make a big deal about who's going to play and what's going to happen there. And then the games happen and it's just, it just doesn't matter as much as like (laughs) another position. And just because of the way the defense kind of operates. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's probably true. And again, we don't know what what Steve Wilkes is going to do um, in that particular case. It may be that he prefers, a, you know, a younger, more athletic Jair Brown back there as opposed to a an older, maybe a little bit of, you know, slower to Sean Gibson. He does bring the wily veteran thing. If you, Like if you think about his his interceptions last year, which I think is a number that that people are throwing uh, are throwing around a lot. But if you think about all those interceptions that he had, most of them were balls bouncing off of of other of receivers' hands and or off. I think one of them went off 
Hufanga's head or something like that, or Ward, Jimmy Ward's head or something like that. Um, you know, that's 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 wily veteran action, right? You're in the right place at the right time. You, you you're able to make a play on the ball, that sort of thing. But I think, as you said, if Jair Brown can truly just be like, this is my job and I'm taking it, and then they just have to say, Deshaun, thanks for <laughs> for coming out. Um, appreciate your your contributions because Deshaun Gibson, if he if he loses the starting job. I, I would feel pretty confident that you'd be like, all right, well, thanks guys. I'm just, just going to call it a day. Right. Um, I mean, he's not sticking around to play special teams or be a backup to for somebody more than likely. Um, so that would be very interesting to see if that happens. Um, Akshaz, do you have a, a another interesting uh, storyline or camp battle or something like that, that you're taking a look at? There's one that I don't think is really, that interesting only because I don't think anything's going to happen with it, but defensive end is such an interesting position for the 49ers. So obviously we talked about Bosa showing up in camp and getting that contract done, but the opposite bookend to Bosa is just a huge question of who's going to step up and take it. And I know they have the ability, especially if they restructure some contracts to go out there and make a trade. We mentioned this like all the way back before the summer session even happened of make a trade for a Daniil Hunter or a Chase Young or sign a Yannick Ngakwe. Like there is a chance for this team to load up at that position. And I'm just going to be interested in seeing, are there young edge rushers stepping up and making that decision? Like, seem like that was a terrible idea to spend cap dollars on another player, or is it going to be the opposite? And you're going to think to yourself, wow, the Niners for all they're spending on the defensive line and all they're trying to build here are just not going to be able to reach that next level because there's a black hole on one of their defensive lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, considering they're like three fourths of, of the way to like a completely dominant starting defensive line unit, it it would be a real shame if it was just an absolute black hole opposite Bosa. And so we'll see um, what Drake Jackson has or what if uh, any of these other guys that they've been just throwing at the at the problem. Um, I think there's there are certainly cases to be made for all of the guys and that they've they've brought in, whether or not that be, you know, a, a, a Cleveland Farrell or or somebody like that, or an Austin Bryan, or even Robert Beal Jr. to be able to say, hey, you you have the ability to do this, but it's just a matter of whether or not they have the ability. Because they don't have to be like world beaters, but together they have to be able to constitute a, a formidable unit opposite Nick Bosa. It doesn't even have to be one guy necessarily. If together they can form one, one fully dominant <laughs> edge rusher opposite Bosa, then maybe you got something. Now, obviously, you would like it to have to be one guy, and then these other guys behind him who can spell um, whoever that other dominant guy might be opposite him. But yeah, that'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, the other one that I'm looking at, and, and we're we're sort of skating around the the quarterback situation because we've talked about that a lot, and it's been uh, discussed ad nauseum. Um, kind of two things related to the offensive line. Um, one is whether or not Colton McKivitz is going to be able to take advantage of the trust that has been given to him um, via the contract that they gave him over the off season. And really just the, the basically the conversation is he's it's his job to lose. Um, and so the question is, is he able to, to 
to actually show that he is worthy of that that opportunity or are the 49ers going to be in trouble and then they're looking at okay well uh who else we got Jalen Moore um uh you know uh, Matt Pryor these are options that are behind uh Colt McKivitz on the depth chart at this particular point um one of those guys will more than likely make the team as a swing tackle option um but that is certainly something to to watch out for and then thinking about because if you, if you consider the rest of the offensive line, obviously we talked about Trent Williams. We know that Aaron Banks is pretty well entrenched um, as the left guard. We know that uh, uh, Jake Brendel is pretty well locked in as the center. He signed a, a pretty good contract extension as well. It seems it seems like Spencer Burford is going to be the starting right guard because uh, Daniel Brunskill is gone. And so there's going to be a lot of trust in him to kind of continue to improve uh, as he showed throughout last year. And the question is what happens at right guard or at right tackle. And then the question is, they got a lot of names um, in that offensive line room. I mentioned Jalen Moore and Matt Fryer. Um, they got Nick Sakel, um, who was a tackle <laughs> in college, but uh, they've been, they moved him there. They've been trying to, they've been talking about moving him to the center and he did some center during mini camps. Um, you also got Jason Pose, an interesting uh, athletic specimen um, out of Mercer. Um, you've, you've got some other names in there like John Feliciano, who's a, a longtime, um, veteran in the league and, and might have an opportunity. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, that shakes out. Cause it's probably only going to be the, the five starters and then maybe three max of four, um, sort of backup guys. But I imagine the hope would be that you have a backup center, a backup kind of interior guy and then a back and then a swing tackle. Um, and then maybe a, another one who's, who's kind of waiting in the wings, but um, I don't know if you have any th thoughts on that, but it's, that's something I'm going to be watching out for, for, sh for sure. I, I think it's going to be, I, so personally, I think I'm just going to be concerned the entire year because <laughs> it's not even like, so this is less like, football analysis, like logical thinking about the team, me, and more like guy who screams at TV sometimes because the football game is going on and I'm getting mad, me. Right. Like <laughs> when you have Trent Williams on the left side, your right tackle is going to look bad by comparison. <laughs> this is true. This is just the way it works. And I just don't, like, I have no sense of knowing if McKibbitz is going to be good or not. But I also, I don't know how much, it's offensive line to me is just like a position that I don't understand well enough to like kind of understand what is it that he does well and doesn't do well. And what like the problem may be. All I know is I agree with you. I think it's a little interesting that they've kind of said, here's the job, like have fun. And obviously there's a little bit of competition as there is in every position, but who knows exactly how it's going to end up. I think, There'll be a little bit of, well, he's not Mike McGlinchey, but Mike McGlinchey was a pretty good right tackle, and he got paid because he's a pretty good right tackle. So right. I think I'm cautiously optimistic that they just made the right choice here. I think I think he you have to go kind of budget route mm -hmm. at this position anyway because you can't pay two offensive linemen with all the other players you have. Right. So. Yeah. Maybe you scheme around it. Like the Niners kind of were with McGlinchey anyway. True. 
Yeah, and and, and like you said, the, the vast majority of football watchers only recognize what an offensive lineman is doing if he does something extremely bad 99 times out of 100 um and almost no one sees it when it's happening live it's almost it's it's like oh look that guy missed a block when we show the the replay 62 times um or you know we think we know what the what the alignment and that's the other thing too is a lot of the a lot of the blocking well all the blocking all the blocking is schematic right so it has it's not always like see guy in front of you that's the guy you're going to block some of it is well, actually, we're gonna the the plan is to let this guy go by, you know, not to bring up any bad memories, but you know, <laughs> the plan is to let this guy go by and he gets blocked by this guy instead. Um, we don't know any of that, right? <laughs> when we're watching offensive line, um, we just know when a block doesn't get made, and that's really all that we got. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it'll be an okay offensive line by and large, outside of Trent Williams, obviously, who's a just a massive massive human being and an all all world left tackle um i think aaron banks will be good at at the very least i think jake brendel was did the job um spencer burford obviously had an up and down season in a very literal way um with between him and run skill but now the job should be his i think they will get the job done i think most offensive line play across the nfl is probably not very good um and in general. And so it's just being, just being a little bit better than, <laughs> than other people. Um, uh, I think things will be just fine. So, um, cool. Uh, Ox has any other things that you wanted to point out before we, uh, we wrap up this one. I mean, I think the beauty of training camp is just that like, you can kind of convince yourself into anything being like a big story because you'll get the little snippets of who's playing well and who's not playing well. And then you see it in preseason. The only thing I'll say that I'm looking out for is just like within the first two weeks, if there's a player who's really like catching on fire, because we saw Brandon Ayuk kind of dominate training camp last year. And that extended into the season. He was the 49ers best receiver, I'd say. So just things like that, you know, this is a really, really talented team. So you kind of want to see how's the talent going to play. Is someone going to take that next step and make it even more of a juggernaut? And this is going to be a fun ride. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think the the thing to pay attention to is while training camp is important, um, the, the 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 thing that I would encourage people to to pay attention to, and I think the thing the the thing that is going to matter possibly more as more than training camp, um, maybe not more, but that is going to tell us about as much as anything outside of like real games when the games start in September is uh, those joint practices in Las Vegas against the Raiders, which are going to be the, these young players opportunities and and players on the fringes of the roster opportunities to play against, you know, somebody that's not uh, their teammate. And in a game, that's not a kind of silly preseason game. I think those, those joint practices are going to be really important so those will be the things to pay attention to, um, especially when you talk about something like Trey Lance or somebody um, or Sam Darnold, even um, having this this chance to play against another defense and, and really see what uh, what they got because they can script things and all those kinds of all that kind of stuff. So I think that's really important. That's kind of my final thought on it before we wrap up. Um, but I'm excited. We're getting ready to start here. We're, you know, less than two months away from from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean. 
it's football season, man. It's we're back. <laughs> it's things are happening. People have things to talk about other than random like trades that will never happen or questions about potential roster battles. Now we get to see the roster battles. Yeah. And then we get into the cycle and it'll be great. And then hopefully we won't be disappointed in January by some unavoidable injury. But that's a little let's too not. sad for the end of a podcast. Let's, let's hope not. <laughs> hey, it's optimism time. Everybody's 0-0, and everybody's going to win the Super Bowl. That's, that's the way I understand it. All right. Well, Akshaz, uh, thanks again for joining us. And thanks to you all out there in podcast land for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. As always, continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and training camp bugs and all that kind of stuff and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and of course share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends so until next time let's sound the horn 49ers Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 